Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare, and you found the place where we talk horses. After struggling to make something out of nothing at his first ranch, Jack Varian bought 8,000 acres near the little town of Parkfield in southern Monterey County way back in 1961. The ranch has grown to 20,000 acres and now much of it is protected by a conservation easement that says the land can never be divided. The ranch hosts many rides and clinics. You can get a taste of the ranching life while riding on one of their cattle drives, attend a horsemanship clinic with clinicians such as Richard Winters, Lester Buckley, or Bruce Sandifer. There's even a photography clinic. Jack Varian has turned over some of the operations to his children, but he is very much around the ranch. You can find his blog on the V6 website where he writes about a recent branding, calves in his pistachio orchard, or just life in general on the ranch. I'm really excited to talk to Jack and his son John from the V6 Ranch. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, John. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning to you. So uh, I'm the dad, and uh, John's going to chime in from time to time here. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about where I came from. Actually, I was the city kid. I was raised in, born in San Luis Obispo, but raised in Palo Alto, went through their school system. But I had a early on experience working on a ranch when I was 13, and I never forgot it. And I was able to hold on to that dream and go to Cal Poly, graduate with a degree in animal husbandry. And then it was in those days, you got married and I started having children. And my dad helped me finance a small ranch west of Paso Robles. The uh, ranch, after three years, I knew it wasn't going to support my family and I. And so I went to looking for something that would support a family because I knew that this was going to be my life's occupation. Mm -hmm. I had a passion for what I was doing. Anyway, I was able to sell this ranch that we bought for $70,000, which was 2,800 acres of brush west of Past Robles. And then a deer hunter from Los Angeles found out that uh, I had a big deer population and he bought the ranch from me, which gave me a down payment on my ranch in Parkfield. It was uh, 8,000 acres. And I bought 8,000 acres of the prettiest land in California and started out in 1961. And we've now been here 60, well, <laughs> Uh, do the math. <laughs> 39 19. and 23, so <laughs> yeah, 62 years. Did you start it as a cattle ranch? Yes. I was running a few cattle in our first ranch that my dad helped me buy when I graduated from Cal Poly. And I started buying stalker cattle. Those are cattle that are uh, weigh usually back then would weigh around 400 pounds. And you would put a couple hundred pounds on them 
during the green grass season, which was November to April. And then you'd sell them to a feedlot who'd go ahead and feed them on out and make them big enough to harvest for beef. And that was working for me. And so I have been in the stalker business, which is sort of a middleman taking a calf from the cow-calf man and growing it out to the size that it can go to a feedlot. And that's been our operation for all these years. What is different is when I had an awakening uh, by going to a seminar in Pastor Robles 1991, and I discovered holistic resource management as taught by Alan Savory. What did that involve? It involved a totally different way of thinking about making decisions and knowing whether they were good ones or bad ones. Uh, Alan Savory was raised in South Africa and came to the United States, and he could see all of the desertification of the Western United States by grazing methods that uh, were not working. And so what basically happened to me was he said, when you make a decision, assume that it's wrong. And then by testing, you get to prove if it's right or wrong. If it's right, you have to change what you're doing. If it's wrong, then you got to throw it out. And so I had permission to think outside the proverbial box. And I started questioning everything I was doing. And I no longer was listening to tradition, no longer listening to what my neighbor said over the fence, no longer reading the same magazines that I once did. I read Stockman's Grass Farmer, Acres magazines, all things that traditional people in the cattle business didn't read. But it opened my eyes up to another world. So that was 1991. And we just weathered the 80s and 21% interest and dry years. And so I was being knocked back on my heels and I needed to do something different to help the ranch. And in 1994, Z and I, my wife, went to a the movie theater and we saw City Slickers. And that changed everything. <laughs> I said amazing. to her, I said, you know, we can do that. We have the horses and you've won 13 saddles and we've got a few more saddles. Why don't we have a cattle drive? And so we had the first one and I thought, ah, oh, what a wreck. It was Yes. <laughs> you know, we were just winging. And I thought, nobody's going to want to do this again. Well, it turns out they loved it. And so we started doing cattle drives when we were going to do them anyway with ranch help. So why not 
invite the public and uh, earn some extra money to help out the operation. Right. We're into our, I think, 27th or 8th year of doing four cattle drives a year. And we are raising pistachios. We're into recreation. That's our real future. And so the cattle are what we do. We work with cattle. But I view, view them now as a tool to help improve the grasslands. And I call myself a grassman now rather than a cattleman because you got to raise the grass first before you can raise the cattle. Right. And we're doing a lot of different things. We've done more fencing so that we could move cattle to different pastures, have more time to rest. But I also recognize, and, and the public should recognize, that grazing is a natural thing. It's always been around. Before uh, the white man got here, there were elk and deer and all sorts of uh, grazing animals. So we replaced a lot of those with cattle. But the idea is that, that when you graze, it's a matter of not how many are on a place, but how long they're there. The shorter the time and the quicker the moves, the better you do. So we've been changing the, our grazing habits. We've been adding recreation, and I'm going to put John on in a minute to talk about that. And we have what I think for my family and a wonderful opportunity for the public at large to experience a working ranch that's not for sale ever and we've put it into a, this conservation easement that disallows the subdivision of it in perpetuity and somebody said well what's perpetuity i said i think it's a long time <laughs> it's a long time <laughs> I'm just thinking back to after you saw City Slickers. Can you give me a little bit of a taste of what your first cattle drive was like? Was it just you and your wife and a bunch of people who didn't know the top part of a horse from the back part? Yeah, we take on anybody and everybody, no matter what their riding skills are. And that first cattle drive, I didn't have a good water situation, but it was a good campsite to work out of. So I filled up uh, my truck with a, a water truck with 2,000 gallons of water and thought that would be sufficient. Uh, the only thing is that the tank sprang a leak um, the first night, and we ended up trying to haul water, and then we had uh, outhouses for bathrooms and our facilities, I guess you would call them primitive. And, and But people wanted that. And we have since improved so that we now have flush toilets and showers, but you still camp out and we ride a lot and we do and we gather and we move cattle because we need to. It's just not a made-up situation. Oh, very cool. Do, do you still do a lot of the ranch work on horseback? 
Yeah. Yes, we do. Everybody in the family has turned out to be either a cowboy or a cowgirl. My wife and I, we have four adult children, John and Greg and Katie and Lily, uh, the two girls, the oldest, and they're still a horseback most of the days of the week. And John rides a lot with his uh, different recreational activities. And Greg, he's the one that does the bulldozer work and he actually has a business where he contracts his tractors things to Cal Fire and the U.S. Forest Service during the summer months. And so he helps fighting these fires that we've been having in California. The family all helps on the ranch, but they don't live on. Well, I say the two girls live on the ranch, but they have Katie is uh, a cowgirl. She trains barrel racing horses and, and does that rodeo scene. Lily and her husband are big buyers and sellers of cattle, and they run cattle in Wyoming and California. And so the cattle business is still my wife and I, although I delegate more as, as the years go by. <laughs> But I, I still want to see the ranch get ever greener, no bare soil, lower soil temperatures. The things that used to happen quite naturally, I study what Mother Nature does, and, and uh, I want to be her ally, not her adversary. Right. So I watch what she does very carefully. I practice holistic management on a daily basis, and we're going to do just fine over the years. Okay, just one last question, and I promise okay. not, we'll talk to John. But because I was reading the history, and I, I read about, I've read your blog, and just fascinating stories. I really appreciate you writing about those. But when you got the ranch, you did you call it the V6? Did you know you were going to have four kids? Or did, was it V2, V3, and then you just kept adding a number to it as the more kids you had? Well, the first iron was a, a Raptor ZJ, and it was too complicated, and it come out after you branded them as sort of a blotch. So <laughs> then I went to the other extreme and had a seven bar, and then you turned it over, made a bar L. Well, that took twice as long because you had to put it on twice. Right, yeah. And we're starting to run more cattle. And Greg is our youngest son and youngest member of the family. And we were getting four children in 1,100 square feet of house, two bedrooms, one bath. And things were getting a little crowded. And my family doctor said, you know what? I can take care of your problem. <laughs> <laughs> so with four children and mom and dad, we became the V6. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> well, thank, thank you for talking to me. Okay. Now here's John. Guy Sharp. That, that guy is sharp. Yeah, he, uh, he's definitely uh, still all there. He still is involved in the day-to-day -day operations of the ranch? Uh, every day, every day. 
yeah no we all uh we all all four of us kids that when he talked about live either on or near the ranch but he's still a patron and with our uh urging him this way or that way but still definitely taking the reins of this place and if you don't mind, we maybe just you and I can chat for a few minutes about uh, the ranch and, and its operations. Um, it's near Parkfield, which is the southern end of Monterey County, and it's considered the earthquake capital of, of California, I guess, so I suppose. And did you build a cafe there because you wanted a place to eat, or did you refurbish a cafe? Well, so when I got done at Cal Poly and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, because eventually they said, you can't stay here at school any longer. You've got to move (laughs) on. So I came back home and dad said, I think we should rebuild Parkfield, which Parkfield was a, it's a real town here. And it was a going town at one time. There are nearly a thousand people at the, you know, turn of the 19th century, eight. 1890s to 1920s, it was a booming town and a couple of bars, a hotel, blacksmith shops, a couple of community halls, everything, mines, oil, homesteaders, you know, so there was the, what the remains of what there was a town here, but there had been no public buildings for about 20 some years, I think. Um, the, the old bar had burned down back in the late 70s. So it had really kind of just been abandoned. And so we started buying up some of the pieces of ground here. And so we built the restaurant first. We just thought that was what we needed. Uh, But we built the restaurant, just a low log cabin place here, as minimal as possible. And then that was 1989. And then two years later, we built uh, the Parkfield Lodge across the street, which is just, we started off with, just four rooms and then we eventually have, we have 10 rooms now. And, and what we did to get the other rooms is the other old buildings that were already here. We just repurposed them into hotel rooms. And so we have the water tower room, which is, uh, the, was the original water tower and water source for park build. We have the post office room that was post office, obviously, and uh, then we just kind of expanded out. Um, we have a cowboy cabin that's right adjacent to that. And you know, so tried to save the old buildings that were still left here. Do yeah. the people stay at the lodge? Are they visitors at the ranch or is that separate? No, it's both visitors at the, for the ranch and open to the public. So it operates as a normal hotel. You go online to our website, v6ranch.com and, make reservations right there and you can book a room for a night or or a month you know whatever at a time and then a lot of of our rides we utilize the lodge and the restaurant for our rides also so it's dual it's dual purpose for us so yeah so for instance the last couple weekends and this coming weekend we have our we we've tried to engineer rides kind of for all levels of interest and the biggest thing is accommodations <laughs> people that those who want to really rough it to those who want to just be taken care of. And right. so the ride will have this coming weekend. People will have stay in one of the lodge rooms. Uh, we'll eat our meals here in the restaurant 
and then we'll go up the road a couple miles to where the ranch is and do all our riding up there and just block out and utilize the lodge for both for ourselves and for just the general public. What would a typical ride at the V6 be like? So uh, I'd say it just kind of depends what your interest is. If you want to, you know, go to the back parts of the ranch and really see the back country of the ranch and also do it like they did it in the 1800s, not quite that extreme, but you'd go on a cattle drive. All of our rides are like four days, mostly Thursday through Sundays. And so on the cattle drives, you're going to camp out on a nice camp we have on top of the mountain. You know, we'll feed you. We'll, you know, we've got horses, we got everything there. And then you'll go out and just work cattle for the four days. Or if you want the opposite end of that, I want to ride some, but I also want to get a massage in the afternoon. You come on our dude ranch weekends. But even on those, we work cattle on everything. It's a cattle ranch. We want everyone to experience livestock and what we do on the ranch. And whenever you come here, when you get your horse and everything, I always tell everyone we don't offer the princess package where you just sit over on the side and wait for them (laughs) pull the horse up and you just step on and ride away we're going to assign you a horse to teach you about your horse you're going to be brushing that horse helping you know get it ready of course with with us overseeing the whole thing and then teach you as much as we can about riding and everything and for those that want to learn more they'll learn a lot those that want just like cruise along hey that's fine with us too because it is you know it is for fun it is a vacation and hopefully we get a little work done at the same time and then in the middle ground there we have what we call our cowboy academies and that's for people who want to hone their skills a little bit more and we'll work both in the arena and outside the arena where start teaching you roping fundamentals and sorting and working cattle even more. We go into a little further on that. And that one, you can camp out, you can rent a motel room, you can, you know, say any of the above. We tried to make it packaged up, offer it things for all riding levels and accommodation levels. That's very cool. Now, I noticed that all four of your your gathering rides, they're all booked up for 2023. Uh, I assume there's a waiting list, but how far in advance can you book if someone really wants to go on one of these rides? Yeah, I mean, we've been very fortunate. We, we stay pretty booked up all of our rides. For We have some of our um, cowboy rides, cowboy academy rides, and we have one in the fall we call our Cowboy 102 where we get a little deeper into the roping, sorting, and things like that. We still have some spots on it. And that one, we want people to have a little bit of experience before they come. Uh, they can just get a lot more out of it. But it will open next year's rides up in August. We'll open up the books on it. And and I tell everyone, I said, hey, if you want to come, just jump right on it because we're very fortunate. We do fill up every year and, and we try to keep adding things for everybody so we can accommodate everyone. But there's certainly a limited number of weekends and things we can fit in here. You had touched on it in your introduction there. We also have outside clinician people come in where we provide the facilities, the livestock and everything. But let's say Richard Winters, he has his clients come in and and you sign up with him and you can have him leading the ride and everything for, you know, several days. 
Yes, so. he's done that clinic for several years now, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Richard's been coming here for, well, I don't know how many years. He's he's moved himself three times, but he's still coming here. <laughs> <laughs> now based in Texas, but he still flies up here. Uh, named Lester Buckley, kind of the same way. He comes from Kentucky and comes out here and, and puts on a some clinics and and a lot of this started back when my my dad's cousin Sheila Varian really kind of helped us get off the ground and and she was probably the most renowned Arabian horse breeder perhaps in the world in her day and she had all these people that she would bring here and then or show them this place and then you know Lester Buckley and some of those are still coming in unfortunately Sheila has, has since passed but a lot of what she did to help us get started with letting us meet the clientele. You know, when you're out here in Parkfield and you're in the middle of nowhere, right? until social media came along, it was hard to get the word out what you do. Yes. It's a lot easier now with social media. Yeah, very cool. I know you're running around, so I won't keep you much longer, but I uh, really appreciate you taking the time and uh, sharing some of your experiences and your dad with us on the show. No, I thank you. And I just tell everyone that if you're interested at all, it's real easy to remember V6. I always say like the engine. And if you go to uh, anything V6 on the internet, V6 Ranch on the internet, you'll find either our website with the next generation, my daughters involved in everything. They keep us very prominent on the social media part of it too. And so you can pretty easily find us there and we also have, for those that want to come to Parkville and spectate, but not necessarily ride, we do have our Parkville Ranch Rodeo on Memorial Weekend. And uh, that is a really fun It's ranch rodeo events, not professional rodeo as far as the events are a little bit more ranch-based, sorting, uh-huh. doctoring, those kind of events. And then a couple weeks for that on Mother's Day weekend, we actually have a bluegrass festival. So we've got a little bit for everyone. And as soon as the rain lets up, it is going to be beautiful and it'll be easy to get here. <laughs> <laughs> right now we're underwater, but we'll be, uh, like I say, we'll be, it's going to be a beautiful spring. And so we're uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, that sounds great. The, I know the rain's going to bring out all the wildflowers and I bet it's going to be with all those rolling hills around the ranch, it's going to be absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, this this area is so unique that I can just see a snapshot of it and you can go, oh, that's Parkfield. Because the mount and this Diablo range is, has such a unique look to it. We're very fortunate there and very fortunate that we're, you know, we're in the middle of California, yet we're in the middle of nowhere, 30 miles from the grocery store. And little tip corn monterey county and monterey county doesn't even know we're part of them so uh <laughs> i think that's good for the people that those of you that live in the valley and go back and forth to the coast all go right by the turn off to parkfield um you know right there at the james dean intersection and yes. i know from out at the highway especially in the summertime it probably looks like some desolate country back in here but i always tell people you'll be shocked when you turn the corner and get about 10 miles back up the canyon how much it changes uh, we get into the oaks and the pines and everything i've never made that turn how how far is it off of that turn from 46 to parkfield it's 17 miles 17 back up miles. the 
and uh, off the high there. Well, a day like today, it's raining everywhere. But a lot of you know, a lot of these storms coming in, it's so crazy how you can look to that direction, and you'll be like, ah, it's just barely raining. And then you look kind of the north, and it's socked in, and you know we're just it's just coming down. And so our rainfall is nearly double what it is out there at the highway, just just distance. And so it changes from that open country to more, you know, say a, a lot of oaks and and uh, then pines along the top. And the, our microclimates anywhere in California are just crazy. You know, the differences yes. from from just 10 miles one direction or the other. Yeah, and it's really a unique and historic area. Well, again, I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, John, and I'm going to go uh, uh, stock your uh, your blog there and, and listen to some stuff from other places. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Sean. All right. Thank All right. you. And that does it for this episode. Holy smokes. I could have been Jack's ear all day. He's led such a full life. In talking with him, you can tell that Jack is not only a savvy rancher, he's also just plain smart. In reading his blog, Jack's dad and uncle invented the Klystrom microwave tube more than half a century ago. It was essential to the invention of radar. And one of Jack's roommates in college at Cal Poly included famed horse trainer Greg Ward. Check out Jack's blog on the V6 website. He also writes about some of his favorite stories around the ranch. You can also learn more about V6 rides, clinics, and other events in the show notes at wopodcast.com. If you have any show ideas or suggestions for future guests, reach out to me at john at wopodcast.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name Podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast with your friends and writing buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Harris saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.